Welcome everybody to the Christian Marauder as we continue to look at the book of Revelations chapter 19 through the lens of spiritual warfare and a whole lot more as we've been uncovering in our study on the book of Revelation. Well chapter 19 begins after the judgment of the great harlot that we talked about in chapter 18. That's the same great harlot that the song, if you did not know this, the Stairway to Heaven song sings about. I bet you didn't know that that this demonically inspired song even points to the events that are seen happening today. For example, the first stanza of the song, Stairway to Heaven, says this, and I quote, There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven, end quote. Did you hear that? She's buying a stairway to heaven. Folks, that's the harlot spoken of in Revelation chapter 18, who buys and seduces the great merchant class and elite to buy into the golden-headed dream of Nebuchadnezzar of world domination and control, to make a new world order based on their highest human aspirations of what fairness is, based upon the pagan religions and the occultic world system. A stairway to heaven, a new tower of Babel to overthrow God's kingdom, all raised up to do that. The next two lines are very telling to that song, and I quote, when she gets there, she knows, if the stores are all closed, with a word she can get what she came for. Wow, did you hear that? When she gets there, when it's almost time for her to arrive at this new world order, all the stores are what? Closed. So have you seen that lately? Stores closed and all kinds of things, and uh, world's economy on the teetering brink of catastrophe. Guess what? With a word she can get what she came for, What's that? To achieve this takes the Great Reset to collapse the economic s system to bring everybody into control of the harlot system. So look at the second stanza, and I quote, There's a sign on the wall, but she wants to be sure, cause you know sometimes words have two meanings. End quote. Do words have two meanings? Well, think of political correct speech and gender-neutral words, chopping up who we are as human beings to bring us into submission to a kinder, gentler, new world order. So when you go to a restaurant and you have to address somebody, you can't say Mrs. or Ma'am or Her or, or, or Sir. You have to say It. Hey, It, would you like a cup of coffee? Hey, It. Hey, no, I, I think it's very offensive to be called an It, but, you know, what can I say? Let's look at the next couple of lines of this stanza, and I quote, In a tree by the brook there's a songbird who sings, sometimes all our thoughts are misgiven. End quote. Folks, what is good and decent is now called evil, and evil is now called good. If you disagree with the new norms that decree that there's no such thing as gender, that borders are immoral, and it's okay to erase equal justice under the law and replace it with you're guilty until you're proven guilty, you will always be guilty no matter what because we will prove you guilty because you are guilty and there's no redemption. And if you use facts to disprove the new sultans of swing, they will label all objective truth and reality as disinformation that you use and label you an insurrectionist. You know what? Our thoughts are misgiven, you know. Did you ever think that the stairway to heaven was a demonically inspired prophetic song? I bet you didn't. Let's look at the third stanza here. So let's look at the third stanza of Stairway to Heaven, and I quote, There's a feeling I get when I look to the West, and my spirit is crying for leaving, end quote. Wow. The New World Order needs to destroy the West and the Western civilization. That's their whole goal. 
This is what we are witnessing today, implemented by the elite, occult-driven oligarchy that I mentioned in the last episode. And people are feeling great grief seeing our freedoms taken away from us by utter nut jobs, and nobody's doing a thing about it. Politicians are inept, they're castrated, they talk a good game, but nothing ever gets done. So nobody doing a thing about it. No politician, nobody's doing a thing. We're seeing everything shaken and destroyed, okay? And it's just like the next few lines of the, the third stanza says, and I quote, In my thoughts I have seen smoke rings through the trees and the voices of those who stand looking. That's how many people describe what they feel today. Let's look at the fifth stanza of Stairway to Heaven and listen to what it says very closely. If there is a bustle in your hedge grove, don't be alarmed now. It's just the spring clean for the May Queen, end quote. Bustle in the hedge grove means chaos. They want to turn your world over because they view your world and my world of equality and fairness and equal justice under law as evil. And it needs to be destroyed in order and chopped up, build back a better new world, a utopia where everything will will be fine. So don't be alarmed. It's just a spring clean for the May Queen. Okay. Guess who the May Queen is? That's Artemis. That's Azeroth. That's Ishtar. That's the that's the young triple goddess maiden, the warrior maiden, the seductress, is doing a spring clean in order to bring someone from the abyss back into the world to rule the world they want to bring the antichrist so look at the next lines of stairway to heaven from the fifth stanza yes there are two paths you can go by but in the long run there's still time to change the road you're on boy that is an occultic buzzword if i ever heard in the in those lines according to the occult world this light has two paths, two roads that lead to a utopic stairway to heaven, and it involves a struggle to throw off the old, dark, ignorant material world towards new light. So by means of the dark road, they make chaos to create a new world order by using a controlled opposition by the white queen who appears doing everything for the greatest human good to combat the very chaos they made you know you ever heard that thing i've been telling you about never let a crisis go to waste in order to bring forth this new world order rise to take the stairway to heaven build that tower overthrow god just let's look at the seventh stanza of stairway to heaven and just listen as i quote it and as we wind down the road our shadows taller than our soul. There walks a lady we all know who shines white light and wants to show while everything still turns to gold. End quote. The human shadow grows darker and darker and grows taller than God, throws grow and erasing any type of moral compass we might have that what we're doing is wrong that's what this new world order wants it wants to make our darkness tall and above all think about it the other path from this white queen who shines her white light and tell all to ignore the chaos pain and suffering because it is all for the global collective good everything is going to turn to gold nebuchadnezzar's dream is going to be achieved a new world order of peace and safety for all 
achieved by destroying lives, achieved by persecution, achieved by revenge justice, re achieved by mob rule and burning down cities, re achieved by redistributive theft, murdering babies, all for the noble collective good for a more and fair, equitable world. Folks, you know what, brothers and sisters of God? Revelation chapter 9 begins after the judgment of the great harlot, where we see a great praise fest going on because the harlot is gone and is no more once and for all. In fact, Revelation 19 verse 1 starts out with these words, After these things, boy, I'm going to stop right there. After these things, these things are mentioned in Revelation chapter 18 verse 23, where it says, The light of the lamp shall not shine in you any more. So the light of the harlot's lamp will not shine in you any more. I go back to the seventh stanza of Stairway to Heaven where it says, and I quote, And there walks a lady we all know who shines white light and wants to show that everything will still turn to gold. That ends, folks. That ends. Now compare that to Revelations 18.23. And the light of the harlot's lamp will not shine in you any more. Like I mentioned, the occult world contains two road paths to build a stairway to heaven to take down God. And some of these occultists choose the dark path to do it. Others choose the light path where they seem to be good, but they're all working together to destroy the system. That's the Western idea of fairness, equality under the law. All that is going to be destroyed. They don't want that. They want to build it back better, this new occult world, based upon revenge and murder and theft folks i'm telling you both the dark and light path uses chaos to bring order out of it in order to throw off the ignorant material world which they think that christianity is or the west is whatever they think western civilization is to modernize this they will use cancel culture to do this to cancel people's culture to destroy them to make them villains and evil people that need to be subjected or killed in order to achieve this utopia world well folks what the Bible's saying, that type of light will not shine anymore. There'll be no more occult illumination leading people down a dark path, playing both sides to build back a better world after they destroy it all. That type of light will never shine again. That's Next from Revelations 18 verse 23. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard. Okay. Remember, the harlot system motherly nurtures to initiate all humanity into this occultic light of the dark path and the light path in this constant state of conflict in order to destroy this entire world so they can build it back better. They want to reshape the world toward a new golden dawn ruled by somebody raised out of the abyss, help raised out of the abyss by the May Queen, Artemis. Folks, I'm telling you, in the book of Revelations, there in chapter 19, we will no longer hear the voice of cancel culture. We will no longer hear them say when challenged, that's your perception. And you ever heard anybody say that to you? That's your perception. Your truth is, is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and my truth supersedes your truth because it's my truth. Nah, 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 nah. There's no moral absolutes. There's more, no, no reason. Your world of moral absolutes and standards, it just vilifies and hurts people's feelings. We need to crush you and destroy you and eliminate you in order for a freer, equitable world. So, yeah, that, that's, that's your perception. Your perception is wrong because, you know, blah, blah, blah. You ever been confronted by some idiot who's saying stuff like that to you so i'm going to ask you if you're an idiot that thinks that if you think that your perception 
is, is your perception and my perception is my perception, I want to challenge you. Stick, stick your hand into a fire for 30 seconds. Will your perception that you will not be burned uh, stop you from serious injury? Well, no. The answer is no. You're going to suffer a serious burn. So there are real moral absolutes that seek to stop one from being burned. And those moral absolutes came to us as a gift from God. And, and your system wants to destroy those and some, somehow build them back better, saying you can stick your hand in the fire and you won't be burned. Makes no sense. Some things are just set in stone. And I tell you what, they tried to alter that and try to alter anything set in stone, just like the newest rap song I heard in a in target the other day me myself and i hallelujah me myself and i hallelujah so i can imagine all these kids going around me myself and i hallelujah my perception my perception is greatest well you stick your hand in a fire you're going to get burned i don't care what your perception says some things are right and some things are wrong and you better learn that real quick there's a day coming when this brainwashing is not going to be heard anymore. And I can't wait for that day, can you? Revelations 18 verse 23 says, For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all nations were deceived. Guess what? These things will not be heard anymore. Their logic, their world economic form will not be heard anymore. The UN won't be heard anymore. These folks initiate and teach kings and emperors and world leaders and elites and other ruthless business people. They initiate them into their fold. And the idea they want to bring about is to make them all rich by killing hopes and dreams of millions and billions of people and altering what it means to be human. They form great monopolies of industry, commerce, military, political systems. They want to re-educate through the educational system a new collective mindset. They develop media to project a propagandist groupthink to achieve a utopian world based upon their top-down dictatorial tyrannical control by these new pharaohs who use economic weapons, fear, intimidation, threats to produce a more tolerant, loving, kind world, all achieved by housebreaking humanity for the common good, where all must think alike where you can have no independent thought, no free speech allowed, a world that seeks to reshape what it means to be human, just like the stairway to heaven's fourth stanza says, and I quote, and it's whispered that soon, if we all call the tune, then the piper will lead us to reason, end quote. And we know who the piper is? That's, the, that's Satan. That's the devil himself and all his minions. They're going to lead us to reason. Wow. We're going to reshape and housebreak humanity for a more loving, tolerant world and by killing you and forcing you and taking away your rights and liberties. Yeah, will lead us to reason. Yes, critical race theory and cancel cultures use a justified genocide in every communist country. They use those two principles of those two things. They want to cancel culture. They use critical race theory against people and they in mass leads to genocide those things lead to genocide leads to discrimination it leads to the humiliation re-education camps and the torture of countless millions and billions of souls folks listen to stairway the heavens fourth stanza as it continues with this next line and i quote and a new day will dawn for those who stand long end quote 
In other words, if they stand long enough and walk in unity and lockstep, they all have a voting block, they're, they're, they're lockstep, they're in unity, they're going to achieve this. They'll achieve altering humanity itself and how humanity thinks about itself. They'll alter humanity with DNA, CRISPR, and AI technology, abolishing what it means to be a human being. So a new slave class will be a rose out of the out of the mass of humanity that accepts slavery as the new freedom, that destroys the world to build back a new, better world of occult light that seeks to destroy, kill, and rob. Okay? Listen to Stairway to Heaven's fourth stanza as it continues with the next two lines, and I quote, And the forest will echo with laughter, and it stops, and there's a pause there. And it goes, remember laughter? Oh, yeah, 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 end quote. That's a strange line. Do you, do you, the forest will echo with laughter? Remember laughter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, listen to this. Remember the days when you could laugh? You could tell the truth. You could tell a joke without any, anybody being offended. Where you could travel when and where you want to without any restrictions. Where you didn't have to wear a mask. You had no one tracking you. You had free speech. And you could defend yourself against crime. You remember those days when happiness and laughter did not land you in jail? Now these people have made a world where you own nothing and you will be happy about them owning everything. Because they love you. Remember their mocking. We fooled you laughter. Well, I want to tell you Revelation 19 says this is going to end once and for all. Revelations 19 verse 1, which reads, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. Hallelujah. Guess what a millstone is? A millstones were used to grind grains into flour. Did you not realize what a millstone is? Well, the harlot system here, the Babylonian harlot system, teaches the need to wear down, grind down, and crush those who oppose them. In fact, the Antichrist will build off this philosophy later on in the tribulation when he uh, wears down the saints of the Most High. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 6 warns about using millstones also as a pledge because it represented surrendering your entire livelihood in the way you made in an income and a living in exchange for some pipe dream of peace safety and security that's the idea here this pipe dream is called the lords and masters taking care of the serf called socialism communism the divine right of lords and masters and kings over the serf class who will own nothing and be happy about it and there's another thing that millstones uh, are about and represent in the bible and jesus referred to that in the bible about a millstone being tied around someone's neck and tossed into the sea for harming little children and causing them to sin and reject him. Well, I want to tell you, folks, deep occultism relishes the torture or sacrifice of small children to draw power out of their terror of the screams of the child to achieve high levels of occultic magic and power and more spirits that can control them so they can control other people. The lower tiers of the occult world have no idea this is going on at the top until they're groomed to accept it later on through the blood sacrifice rituals and drinking of body fluids so forth etc i'm not going to gross you out on some of this stuff it's out there it's well documented what i'm saying just look it up while you still can so one hallmark of the deepest depths of occultism is child abuse sex trafficking 
murder of the unborn to acquire power, as well as teaching kids to reject God. As Revelation 19 verse 1 says in its entirety, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. That's out of the New King James Version. you got to ask yourself again, why are they shouting? Why are they shouting? Hallelujah, the Lord God, glory and honor to him. Hallelujah, why are they shouting that? His answer is simple. The light of the harlots initiating and mothering humanity has ended. The great praise in heaven begins. Why God finally has dealt a blow against these fallen watchers and their human minions once and for all. They're going to be no more forever and ever. Why? Their mocking laughter will never be heard again. Revelations 19 verses 2 through 3 says this. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth and with her fortification, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. All the blood of the murdered babies and the child sacrifice that these people do is, is avenged, folks. Just think it's going to end. Wouldn't you be shouting at this time? In verse 3, again they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. Oh, happy, happy will be that day, I tell you. I tell you, I tell you, happy will be that day when this harlot system is gone. We don't see any of this junk anymore. Are you sick of it like me? Let's look at Revelations 19, verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. Again, folks, you got to look at the picture and look at biblical numbers. And let's apply some of that biblical number stuff in here, number meanings, so you'll get the idea of what's going on here. 24 in Bible numbers root meaning refers to a heavenly government, a heavenly council, a divine council, a group of elders, a royal priesthood. And one of the meanings of themes is derived out of this verse, the 24 elders that are used throughout the book of Revelation in different chapters here as a, a governing body in the heavenly divine council carrying out the will of god that's what that means so we've seen this imagery in the book of revelation in chapters 4 5 and 11 but there are also four living creatures there why four the number of meanings for the number four help explain why four is the hebrew letter dalit which is picture graph of a doorway an entryway a pathway that's what it's talking about so the four living angelic beings guard the entryway to god's throne why why, why would they? Why would God's throne need to be guarded? Just, just, just think for a second. And the clue of this is actually found in Exodus chapter 24, and then later in Exodus, I uh, think, think it's 33. So Exodus 24 verse 9 and 10 says this about Moses. He went up with Aaron, Nahab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw God. They saw God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. So they went up to Mount Sinai, and they ate a meal up there with God, up there at the foot of God, basically. That's what it's saying here. They saw God, okay? Okay, um, just keep tracking with me. Did you know that on the northern slope of the real Mount Sinai, that's actually in Saudi Arabia, there is a flat chevron-shaped area that's still seen today that possibly matches this very spot. And above there are a bunch of burnt rocks on top of Mount Sinai. 
think about it. So the 70 elders only saw a theophany of God because Moses and Joshua went on to the top to meet God. And you go, wow, that's kind of strange. Uh, the elders left there eating in God's presence, seeing God, while Moses and Joshua went up to, to talk to God. Hmm. This is explained in Exodus 33, verses 18 and 23, when Moses desired to see God in his full manifest glory. God answered and said, No mortal can see my full unity of being and my full manifested form, or they will perish. That's what God basically said. So God hid Moses in the cleft of a rock, covered him with his hand as he passed by, and Moses was only allowed to glimpse God after he passed by. He did that so Moses could see God and live in his full glorious form. What I derive out of this and what is taught theologically from this, that the four angelic living cherubim protect creation from the full manifest presence of God and his full glorious oneness of his divine tri-nature being, all waiting for a glorious day that's described in Revelations chapter 21 and 22, when he can. Okay, listen to me. Keep tracking with me. You add the two numbers together, 24 plus 4, 24 elders and the, tw and the four living creatures here together, and you arrive at the number sum 28. And this has many shades of meanings found in the Bible, and it, re and it refers most often to the curtains in the temple that shielded the Holy of His Holies, where God dwelt back then, protecting humanity till they are hid in the rock of Jesus Christ. Thus the root meaning of 28 came to mean the temple of God where God dwells and governs from or the, the throne room of the heart in the deep recesses of the heart where God dwells, the devil dwells, or your flesh, or you dwell and you rule. That's the idea of number 28. So you have here the heavenly council of God, the 24 elders standing before the throne of God to carry out God's will, all expressed in these number meanings. So one day all will see the full glory and manifest God's presence in the final jubilee when the new heavens and earth come and the rightful owners are restored to the land, just as Revelations 21 verse 23 says. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon or the light to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. See, nobody can see the full manifested glory of God until the new heavens and earth come. That's the final 50th jubilee. Think about it. And the land is restored to the rightful owners. Who did God put in charge of this earth? Human beings. Who are filled with his image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 says we were predestined to be conformed into whose image? The image of Jesus Christ. We're not another God. We're just come back to what we were designed to be, to govern the world according to God's image and likeness of love, joy, peace, so forth, etc. The fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. Revelations 19 verse 5 says this, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you as servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And Revelation 19, verse 6 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as it, the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Hallelujah. So why are they shouting all this again? The harlot and all the devils and all the fallen watchers are now, at this point, have been dealt with. 
Folks, they are celebrating and praising God as there is no more of this cancel culture's build back better programs. It's gone. The final jubilee will soon come. They're shouting hallelujah for that. What I mean this, let's take a peek at the law for jubilees. Leviticus chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 says, And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of the years which will be, which will be 49 years. Verse 9, And then you will cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all the land. Okay, listen to what it's saying. So on the tenth day of the seventh month of the fortieth ninth year, and the forty-ninth year is not the fiftieth year of jubilee, right? Why is that? Verse, uh, look at 10. And you shall concentrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all its inhabitants, and it shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you shall return to his possessions, and each of you shall return to his own family. And I'll make it, and I'm going to make this very simple for you to understand. So on the tenth day of the seventh month begins the day of atonement beginning in the forty-ninth year. The five months that follow were used for a time of purification, a things, time to get things set in order that prepare for the fiftieth year of Jubilee to commence. And that's the time when the Hebrew people would gather their foodstuffs from the 10th day of the 7th month and set things in order for the Jubilee 50th year to come. So here's more. Revelation chapter 2, if you're following me, if you can track with me for a second, states that at the Smyrna church will have persecution 10 days, and that 10 is puzzled people. Okay, just keep tracking with me. This possibly, I'm saying possibly, might refer to a principle of Jubilee when on the 10th day of the 7th month of the 49th year in heaven's time, all persecution of God people ends when Jesus returns to earth to set up his millennial kingdom so people can get ready for the 50th year of Jubilee where the captives are set free, the debts are canceled, and everything is brought back in order. Just keep tracking with me. When a new heaven and earth is returned to those God created it for, who have all been proven true to the Lord through the fiery furnace of affliction in this life. Think about it. Then heaven's jubilee begins in earnest, just as Revelations 21 points out about the new heaven and earth, and as Revelations 21 verses 1 through 4 mention, and I quote here from the New King James, Revelation 22 verse 1 through 4, And he showed me pure river of water of life, clean as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river there was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The year Jubilee has had, everything made clean and pure again. Evil is done with. No more harlot system. No more devil at that point in time. On either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits. 12 is representative leadership. So the fruits represent feeding humanity on how to exercise their authority and dominion correctly by God's light of love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. All for the healing of nations. Before this comes a millennial reign, the 49th year that prepares for the 50th. This makes sense as the next verse seems to indicate out of Revelation chapter 19 verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. 
It's out of the New King James. So let me talk about marriage customs of the Second Temple period involved three things. First was the betrothal and dowry phase, where the exchange was made between families here, okay, for a marriage vow. It's, it, this is an arranged marriage, okay, I'm just talking about here. So please note these truths. Jesus paid our sin debt. 2 Corinthians 2.11 mentions we are betrothed to Jesus. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6.20 mentions about being bought at a price, a ransom price. Our sin debt has been paid in full. He paid the dowry with his own life and blood. Just as Ephesians 6 verse 1 through 16 mentions very same thing that we have an inheritance reserved in heaven for us. He did it all for us, folks. He's worthy to be praised, isn't he? So the marriage contract, just, just keep listening to me right now. Just, just keep tracking with me. After the dowry is paid, the groom leaves and prepares a place. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 on the New King James, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. During that time, folks, the betrothed ready herself by keeping watch for the groom's return. His messenger's coming, saying, The house is prepared. He's done the job. He's, and it's all ready for you. It's time to, he's coming. He's coming to get you. Okay? Listen to what Revelation chapter 19, verse 8 says out of the New King James. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So, folks, let's go back here. When the groom returns unexpectedly, just as Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13 explains, only those ready will be taken, and those who are lazy will not. Where the bride is taken to a grand wedding feast, Revelations 19, verse 9 says, And then he said to me, Right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Okay. The third part, the groom shows off what he built for her. We see that, in fact, in Revelation 21, verse 9 through 10. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Verse 10, out of the New King James. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Stop there. The bride is the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. And we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are going to be his people, proven through the valley and furnace of affliction. Do you understand what's being said here? Next, Revelation 19, verse 10 continues, And I fell at the feet of him and worshipped him. But he said to me, See, you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay? Many people start arguing about who is this? Who is this angel that John was about to worship? Well, probably since it mentions that he's of his brethren. It might be Michael, the archangel. Okay? Now, it really doesn't matter what angel... Uh, this is really to me well the main point to glean here is that there is no angel worship allowed whatsoever god's real true angelic beings will stop you from worshiping them or serving them 
Okay, do you understand that? Fallen angels will have you seek them to get their insight, their new illumination, their new revelations and guidance. They're heady occultic light, so you spend more time with them than with the Lord God. In other words, they offer you the white light from the white queen, the white harlot is what they're doing. And the devil himself thinking you're following God's path, and you ain't, and you ain't all that either. Okay? What happens is they'll end up robbing and stealing your devotion, your prayer life that readies yourself for God, and instead have you serve them for healings and angel encounters, and you totally ignore the Bible. You totally don't even ready yourself at all for anything. You're too busy chasing after garbage by the worship of angels, which is forbidden in the Bible. And true angels of God will stop you in a heartbeat from doing that. In fact, Alice Bailey and the occult New Age types understand that a New Age of miracles and angel encounters will come and seduce the church. And I just asked, have you seen this happening lately? So in Matthew chapter 25, it says one will be taken and another will be left. Just like it says in other parts of the scripture too that Jesus spoke. One will be taken and another left. Actually makes more sense now. Now let's look at Revelations 19, chapter 11 through 21, kind of goes back in time to when the events mentioned in chapters 13 through 18 are reaching their climatic end. This scene changes and we come back to Revelations 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful, true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. That's read out of the New King James. We're going to see the one who was faithful, loyal, committed, changed not, who paid our redemption price in full, paid our sin debt in full, gave us an inheritance, built us, a, prepared a place for us <laughs> to dwell in. He's faithful and committed. He proved himself true. He changes not. He keeps his word. He's going to repay against all the forces of darkness. He's true, meaning he's genuine. He's real. He cannot lie. That word righteousness simply means doing what is right in a right way when he judges. He will judge with slow thoroughness, with total equity that is way beyond what our minds can even comprehend. And the ultimately, this slowness is that he will make a just war against the wicked and the fallen watchers. Revelations 19 verse 12 picks this up right here. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Look, his eyes are aflame with vengeance against all evil and all malice. It's payback time, brothers and sisters. Another number two, he had crowns on his head. Our crowns, folks, are not our own, okay? We surrender these to him just as the elders did theirs because he is worthy, faithful, true, righteous judge and finally wars against all evil and gets rid of it once and for all and then makes all things new, just as he promised. Revelations 19 verse 13 says he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. His robe was dipped in blood. Verse 15 tells us why. Because his robe is dipped in the, the wine press of God's wrath. Just think about that. And his name is called the Word of God. John wrote of Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, as the Word, the Logos of God. Logos means the expressed intelligence, expressions of thought, being able to carry it out, okay? 
Proverbs 24, I'm going to speak to you in a great mystery. I hope you understand what this means. Okay. It says, through wisdom, a house is built by understanding. It is established by knowledge. The rooms are filled with all precious, pleasant riches. Okay. Just think about it. Jesus is called often, and the Holy Spirit, too, is called the wisdom of God. Okay, just think about that for a second. Jesus says he proceeds out from the Father. He's God manifested in the flesh. He's the very wisdom of God, and, and wisdom means technical skills. It says that Jesus, in, in the book of um, Hebrews, in the first few chapters, it talks about Jesus creating all, everything. He, he's the author of creation. Through wisdom, the Son, a house is built. Remember, Revelation chapter 21 talks about the new Jerusalem coming in. Just think about that. And by understanding, that means the Holy Spirit, it is established. The role of the Holy Spirit establishes a matter as fact. Okay? And by knowledge, the knowledge of the Father, the all-encompassing, all God's knowledge of everything, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In fact, i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, Jesus said no one can come to him unless the Father draws him. So therefore, by knowledge, the knowledge of the Father, the rooms are filled with all precious, pleasant riches. Now, folks, I don't have time to get into the full doctrine of the Trinity. I'll probably lose you on that and get all kinds of hate mail on that one because there's no adequate way to try to explain that. It's not three gods. It's one God, three persons. So when God speaks, the Son comes forth and does the action. He puts it together, creates it, and does the task. He returns back to the Father. The Holy Spirit comes and establishes the work. So through wisdom, the Son, a house is built by understanding the Holy Spirit. It is established by knowledge. The Father, the rooms are filled with all precious, pleasant riches. Think about it. Revelation 19, verses 14 and 15 says this. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horses, folks. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of God Almighty. Remember, the Son does the carrying out the task. He's the Word. He's the Logos, the expression, the one who does the task of the knowledge of God. That, those verses is about how the millennial reign of Jesus will begin with his dramatic return. Look at Revelation 19, verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So people ask, why is this name written on his thigh? Well, in the Old Testament time, um, putting your hand on the side of your hip there area on the side is a sign of covenant agreement. Okay, So you're swearing by the person's name. You'll never betray them again. That's the idea behind that. Just think about that. This is this old custom in there that we don't know anything about nowadays. So on his robe and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's who Jesus is. Revelations 19, verse 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of, great, of the great God. Verse 18, That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of the people, free and slave, both small and great. 
These verses are explained in verses 19 and 21 here in Revelation that describe the great battle that the devil longs to win so he can exalt his throne above God's. Okay, let me wrap this up for you. This is just like the pagan storyline, the ancient Mesopotamian, Canaanite, Greek, so forth, etc., ad infinitum, creation myths, and the use in the Baal cycle storylines lays out. The need to slay the chaos monster, bring him back to earth in a challenge, chop up his kingdom, and build a new one from the parts of the old. Look at verse 19 again. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. That is the Luciferian dream. I shared that in full in the last episode. Go back and listen to that in full, folks. Revelations 19 verse 20 says, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Verse 21, And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. That those birds are spoken about in the book of Ezekiel, I think it's uh, chapter 38 or 39, talking about calling the birds for that. Talks mentioned something about this, I think, in uh, Zechariah, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Also in Isaiah, the last few chapters there talk about this event, that the war happens, and they're going to collect the shields, they're going to collect the paraphernalia war. <clears throat> it's going to take them a long time. Uh, they'll look upon the, they'll look upon all the great slain of, okay, and Jesus returns, and the Mount of Olives splits in two. All this stuff happens. I'm telling you, this is the ushering in of the Millennial Kingdom. On the seventh month of the tenth day of the 40th ninth year, in order to prepare everybody to enter into the Jubilee. So if the devil, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all the fallen watchers and demons have been defeated, and they will be cast into the lake of fire, after spending a little bit of time in the pit of hell. Why do I say that? Well, Revelation gives you a clue to what I'm saying here. Revelations chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, and I will explain these verses as we go a little bit further. Right now, I'm going to stop on these verses, but just listen here. And then I saw the angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should not deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. I'm reading out of New King James there. Notice that after a thousand years the devil is going to be released again for a short time. So the big question is why? Well, folks, you're going to have to stay tuned till the next message next week to find out. When you read the Bible... Pay attention to everything. Do research. Pray, folks, like you never have before. During this time, before this all happens, it's going to get really, really, really bad, okay? And it's going to culminate in things that we never thought we'd see or happen are going to happen in a degree and intensity we haven't seen before. Don't be so shaken. Pray for strength to overcome, like it says in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, for the church to do. Repent where you need to. Get in the Word of God. Pray. Stay with faithful to Jesus. Get yourself ready, for our Savior is returning. One taken, one left. Which one do you want to be? 
With that, I'm just going to go ahead and close and look on the screen for my contact information. I updated it. If you'd like to support what I do and help me keep me online here and doing videos, please help out if you can. And it's all there. And I will see you next week. God bless in Jesus' name.